Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. The Fangirls Podcast is brought to you by Believe Podcast Network. And we want to take a moment and thank you for tuning into our podcast. If you like what you hear, please leave us a five star review on Apple Podcasts so that we can reach more people. Thank you so much. Hello and welcome to the Fangirls Podcast. I'm Lauren. And I'm Julie, and we are so excited to dish and spill the tea with you today. And tomorrow we're going to eat some turkey, a lot of turkey together. You're coming to my house for Thanksgiving. That's right. There will be emotional support carbs. There will be pie. There will be laughter, maybe some tears, depends on how much wine we have. It's going to be great. I'm feeling very thankful. Oh, so thankful. So thankful. Turkey time has been like the most thankful month too. It's been an epic month. So we're recording this before some of these epic things are happening, but we got to see the Eternals. We talked about Eternals last week. We were talking about Dune today. The Great came out. It premiered on the 19th. We've got- And tell me, what is the book that came out, Julie? What book came out this month? The Ninth Outlander book. Go tell the bees that we are freaking gone. We are gone. We are gone in this book. We are so happy. And also, you're going to LA Comic-Con. I am. So for anybody who wants to meet up, let me know because LA Comic-Con is the first weekend of December Mm -hmm. and prices are super affordable right now. They just expanded the pricing. So they were doing $45 for the morning session and then another 45 for the PM session. I don't know if it's just like low attendance, but they got the okay to just set the day price for Saturday for $45. And I was like, yes, please take my money. Yeah. That's a steal. I would be jealous. I would be super jealous, but I'm going to New York that weekend. And I've been to New York once, but it's kind of like a girl's trip. I'm taking Lena. We're going to do all the things. We're going to see the cursed child. So I can't wait to talk about that on the podcast because you've already seen it. I have seen it. I've read it. I've read the script, which basically started this whole, you telling me to read that started the whole like snowball of eventually us having a podcast and talking really excitedly about all these things that we nerd out over. So I'm very (laughs) excited to see this play. There's just so much stuff to be thankful for. Like I'm thankful for you. Our 30th episode. Wow. 30. That's a lot to be thankful for. Plus a bonus episode. Mm -hmm. I love podcasting. I love our partnership. I'm very thankful for how we work together. Couple of Capricorn Queens. It's very symbiotic. We were just meant to do this. I agree. Yeah. And I'm so. going to feed your face tomorrow at Thanksgiving with a lot of emotional <laughs> support. Carms. I'm like, you want Bring another, it. you want some more buns? Here's some buns. It's going to be, I will fun. take those buns with me to read because <laughs> I'm going to need it when I yeah. open, when I crack that book open and smell that brand new book smell. And just oh, have all these beautiful Outlander memories. I'm going to try to like wait till I'm on the plane to New York to oh. like not to read it until then. Oh, because I've pre-ordered it. Okay. So it's coming. I, okay. So we're setting some boundaries now. No Outlander spoilers. No, no B spoilers during Thanksgiving at the very least. I do expect texts to be like, OMFG, what the heck? Holy shit. <laughs> this is amazing. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. I do expect those. You better send that. Yes. It's just going to make me excited. That kind of taps in on our history of me reading Outlander. 
Lauren mm-hmm. read the series before I did. So as I was going through the motions of reading the rest <laughs> of the series, I was just like, well, that escalated quickly. <laughs> and, and, oh, I can't stand here. And, oh, well, okay. Well now we don't have to worry about that problem anymore. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, so. I'll see if I can hold out. I don't know. I know it's going to be like a very busy week for me. So I could see myself being able to avoid reading it. It's just all about my self-control, which I don't really have much when it yeah, comes to outlander. you don't have much self-control when it comes to reading period oh so. that's very true i'm <laughs> yeah. very out of control with reading very out of control um, um i'm <laughs> just expecting to be like i don't know how i'm gonna get anything done while reading the ninth outlander book but well, that's we'll why make you're gonna, it work yeah that's why you're gonna be living off the buns that i made you for a week <laughs> reading it <laughs> like this is all i have left to eat right. i'm not going to the store i'm not going outside no yeah so a lot of fun stuff coming up i really enjoyed Dune. I read the book a long time ago, totally forgot everything. Didn't remember a dang thing. So I had to like do some research and I'm like, okay, so this book was written and published in 1965 by Frank Herbert. And so this is the third time they're adapting this film. Yes. The first time was in 1984. It was like a critical and commercial failure as well yes. as the 2000 in 2000, they tried to adapt it as a mini series. Did not work out. Total dud. Yeah. But I feel like this adaptation is off to a very successful start. So it's grossed $330.4 million worldwide so far. I did not read the books. I had zero expectations going into this movie. I watched the trailer and I thought that was super vague. And then I had a coworker give me a brief summary of it. And I was like, okay, well, sure. We're going to watch it. I'll give you my feedback then. I was pleasantly surprised. You know, I love the, you know, love the cast. My secret shame, I've never seen a Timothy Chalamet movie ever. So watching this, I was like, oh yeah, he's not bad. <laughs> you know? I saw him in Little Women and he was Lori. Oh, that's and right. He was fantastic. That's right. He just totally stole my little that. heart, just stole my heart in that role. And I like, I, you know, I have a thing for Christian Bale in that role when he was in it with um, Winona Ryder. She was mm-hmm. in Little Women and he, oh gosh, he was the love of my life in that movie. But then I saw Timothy Chalamet's portrayal of Lori. And I was like, Oh, nope. I love him the most. Just like immediately. You just yeah. like, love him. You just want to love him. I'm glad I saw this rendition of Dune mm-hmm. before I watched the trailers, the past trailers, because that <laughs> might've, I don't know, excuse my language, but tainted my yes. ideology of yeah. this. Yeah. Cause I watched the, uh, the trailers afterwards and I was like, Oh, this is rough. Okay. I get where they're taking this. And then the 2000s version, oh, that those Y2K special effects were killing me. Yeah, the the 1984 version definitely gave up a lot, gave off a lot of like Star Trek vibes, and I mm-hmm. know that was like popular around that time, just kind of very cheesy. But they didn't have like the technology. it was the first of its kind. Yeah, I have to say, let's get into casting. So Paul Atreides is played by Timothy Chalamet. Zendaya plays Chani. Rebecca Ferguson, who did an amazing job, plays Lady yeah. Jessica. Oscar Isaac, who I adore, plays Leto Atreides. And I just want like someone to be in love with me as much as he was in love with Jessica Chastain's arm. And that one clip of him just like kissing her inner arm. I'm like, not in Dune, but in a different movie. On a a red carpet somewhere else. Cause they were in, I think it's a a marriage story or something like that. Yes. That they're in together. And I'm like, the way he looked at the inside of her arm, I'm like, are you joking? Like he, his sex appeal just skyrocketed for me. And that he needs one an Oscar moment. just 
to for be that moment with the inner linings of a woman's arm. I was like, I'm, I'm bless like, you, sir. F word was on the edge of my tongue. I'm like, yep. just, yeah. His sex appeal went way up. Speaking of sex appeal, Jason Momoa, Duncan, Idaho. Mm-hmm. Lena's like, is that his real name? I'm like, well, it's his real fake name in the movie, but yes. <laughs> and then Stellan Skarsgård plays the Baron or Vladimir gross. It's such a gross world. It's like job of the hut. Yep. I will dive into all of that here shortly. And then, um, Josh Brolin plays Gurney Halleck. And I just kept thinking, I'm like, thanks for ruining everything. Thanos. Like as I'm watching him, (laughs) I just can't unsee him as Thanos. I'm like, you've ruined it for everyone. Jerk. It's like party pooper. (laughs) And then we have Dave Batista as Glassu Raban. I don't know if I'm saying this right. I'm just trying people. I'm trying Javier Bardem was Stilgar. I'm going to really try to say this right. Golda Rashevel was shout out Mapes, who is also plays Queen Charlotte in Bridgerton. Very polar opposite roles. Oh, that's here. right. Yes. Yeah. She's like a servant mm-hmm. in one and then the queen in the other. I mean, she is just so like her spectrum of acting is just so good. Like yes. I did. She was unrecognizable as Queen Charlotte. Like, I didn't know that in the movie that it was her. Same. I had to look it up later. I was like, what? Like such a transformation. And then we have Chang Chen as Dr. Wellington. Sharon Duncan Brewster is Liet Kynes, the scientist. And then Charlotte Rampling is the very creepy and scary Reverend Mother of the Bene Gesserit. That was a mouthful. Here's the part of the show where we spill the tea. Spoilers. This is your spoiler alert. Go watch Dune. It's on HBO. It's in the theaters. Go see it and then listen. So this movie opens with the line, dreams are messages from the deep, which it's kind of a foretelling that Paul's dreams are visions slash prophecies that are coming from the deep desert, but also it's a metaphor for the whole series. Okay. So Hans Zimmer, I love Hans Zimmer. He did the score for the movie. I feel like it was a very integral part of the storytelling because they left a lot of space for just feeling, you know, the dialogue was really good, but they left a lot of space of like, no dialogue where you're just like, there's these close-ups of like things happening or kind of these wide shots where there's no talking and you're just left to kind of feel sort of the heaviness of what's happening here and what's at stake and just kind of this oppressive world that we're walking into. So the character, Paul Atreides, his destiny that, you know, we're led to believe is to lead humanity down the golden path, which is basically the perfect timeline no pressure. So the savior, which is supposedly Paul, AKA the Kwisatz Haderach, lots of hard things to say in this episode. It's basically a messiah. Yeah. It means shortening the way or like the wayfinder. So the quickest way to get to a better future, that's supposedly who he is eventually. So there's these houses and he's part of house Atreides and his family is sent to kind of take over governing the extraction of spice on Arrakis. It used to be the Sardaukar have training from an early age where they're kind of hung upside down. And most of them die by the side of the time they're 11. Just, they're just terrible, terrible people. You know, the Atreides house, they go and they try to take over. I really like how the focus is you're, you're, if you haven't read the book recently, you're kind of trying to figure out what's happening. So there's this boy, he's in this family and you're kind of getting things revealed to you as you go along. It's like, he keeps dreaming of this girl. Mm -hmm. Are these, are these like premonitions what's happening? And then I was very shocked because I forgot this in the book that lady Jessica is actually Leto's concubine. You know, she's an acolyte of the Bene Gesserit 
but like, I just was like, well, what? She's a concubine. I totally forgot this. And he's like, I should have married you. And I'm like, what? <laughs> you didn't marry her. <laughs> just hang around being a concubine this whole time. And I'm, but yeah. So this world, it's like spice is the most valued commodity in the universe. And those bright blue eyes that you see mm-hmm. in the film that's caused by exposure to spice. I really liked the father son dynamic between Paul and Leto. Mm-hmm. Oscar Isaac plays such a good like father figure. I have this. to say, I was super late to the party on Oscar Isaac. And then you put him in the hot dad role. I was here for it. I was like, yes, please. So I saw him in a film with Olivia Wilde called Life Itself. And he just shows this full spectrum of emotion. He does play, you know, a father in that. And I was like, whoa, he just has like this, this presence about him. But I also loved the line that he said, a great man doesn't seek to lead. He's called to it and he answers. So the fact that there's that answer and they rise Mm -hmm. to the occasion, that's what makes him a great man. But he's also kind of, you know, he, he understands the responsibility of leading this house or this family. You know, I think Timothy Chalamet, he's like mid twenties, but he plays like a young boy so well. And I think it's twenties. Yeah. Wow. No, I thought he was like 19. Oh no. He could play somebody who's 19 for like 10 years. Cause yeah, <laughs> Lena, she loves Timothy Chalamet, mm-hmm. but she likes those like skinny guys that still look like boys, which makes sense. Cause she's 17, but I'm, con- oh, he just looks like a child to me. Right. Yeah. He's 25. What? Yeah. He's 25 years old. Oh, well he's going to age very well <laughs> yeah. later on. <laughs> yeah. Cause if him. he still is looking 16. Yeah. I like the approach of this movie and how like his relationship with his mother too, is like so much more complicated because mm-hmm. she's been training him in the voice. Right. And like, I wish I had the voice and get my kids to listen to me sometimes. Like, can you make <laughs> your beds and use the voice? Like put your shoes on, use the voice, finish your dinner using the voice. Like right. that would just be so amazing. But I love like, there's those close up shots where you see like, he's like Timothy Chalamet is just acting with his face. Mm-hmm. So that part where he's like going into the Reverend Mother and he has his hand in there and he's like feeling all this pain and like he's just acting with his face and you're like, I feel his pain. Timothy Chalamet has been nominated for an Academy Award, two Golden Globe Awards, three British Academy Film Awards, and four Screen Actors Guild Awards, and four Critics' Choice Awards. So if he doesn't win an Oscar in the next five years, I'm going to be completely shocked. He is such a talent. Can we talk about the nightmare aspect? of this like total nightmare fuel, if you will, on the, just the elements. I was not, again, having zero expectations for this movie. What I wasn't expecting was the nightmare fuel. Let me put it that way. Yes. I mean, I think that the music plays a lot into that and like the imagery, obviously that you're seeing, but it's like, (laughs) I was joking with Lena. I'm like, if they turn the music off right now, it would just look like this kid that's like walking along this cliff, looking like a little bit upset and it would look really silly, but like the music just makes it's like, it helps build up. Yeah. That nightmare feeling. You're like, Oh, that's going to be in my dreams later. The rev, the scene with Reverend mother. Oh, I was like hard pass. Oh no. Mm-hmm. Just in that veil and everything. I was like, Nope, this is where he dies. The movie ends right now. <laughs> Immediately. No, yeah. Immediately. No. <laughs> Stellan Skarsgård, man, that was committed acting. I was like, he was, oh, he was gross. He was so gross. And as I was looking at the other, the previous trailers, 
the previous previous barons were also hideous him being a Skarsgård I just you know think about uh Bill Skarsgård as it Mm -hmm. and I was like oh this this is where it starts from the creepy scary factor yeah the creepy aspect uh just completely terrifying oh yeah totally terrifying the Skarsgård family does it so well and then the sandworm oh that reminded me of this one movie called Tremors that some yes. friend probably made me watch back in like the 90s. And I was like, oh no, it's that yeah. time's like a thousand and all those yep. teeth. And you just like, oh, this this is where the movie ends. Okay. <laughs> this is where part two, you know, part one ends and part two begins with like the afterlife of Paul Atreides. Yeah. He's gonna <laughs> talk about anticipatory anxiety. Yeah. You have it like through the whole movie and then the, the music just like builds it up more. I'm like, somebody's going to get eaten by this worm. Yep. This, this is, is not, not, this is not good news. Nope. Nope.com. Yeah. <laughs> and no. when that worm is just kind of staring at him. Yes. And stop, stop it. Hear the, the outside noise. Of like the thumping from the other so it gets distracted mm-hmm. and yeah. I was like no they had a moment this worm knew that that was the messiah and that it was going to turn around <laughs> and walk away and not eat the new messiah of Arrakis or whatever but oh yeah that moment was intense so you oh. wonder if in moments like that because he's able to kind of cross past and future in his dreams, he sees his dreams. He can see multiple outcomes mm-hmm. and not always accurate because it's not always the outcome that he sees. So I wonder if like, maybe he never saw an outcome of him getting eaten, eaten by this worm. Doesn't make it any less terrifying. Right. But maybe he was like, I know that you're not going to eat me right now. He hasn't fully come into his power. Right. You don't see him speak to it either. Like he did with the voice mm-hmm. on the, on the helicopter or whatever. But I was just like, oh, wow, there, there's a meeting of the minds here somewhere that I'm not. Yeah, I wonder if he could terrifying. use the voice on the worm. I don't know. Maybe. Use it on somebody else, like the emperor. I don't know. And then you have this hunter seeker thing, which is like this, I don't know. It's like a scary dragonfly. It has the tail mm-hmm. of, with the needle at the end. And he spots it. And I was like, wait, now we have to fight those things? Mm-hmm. What? I don't want to be around. In the future, if that if those things exist, no, nope. thank you. Some sad deaths in this film. So Leto's yeah. death was really sad, and mm-hmm. you're kind of not understanding it when Doctor Wellington is telling him, like, wait, wait, what is he doing? Okay, stabbing him in the back, but he's giving him this thing to like kill himself. Okay, I guess that's his last like ditch effort to be able to like do right by him after betraying him. Mm-hmm. So then Leto, he's just like laying there, like can't move. I'm like, this is. So sad. Yeah. And then he gets blown up and you think that the Baron is dead, but then he comes out of this weird milky bath thing. Mm-hmm. And apparently in this universe, there is this way of cloning people called Gola. So it's like creating like a semi-perfect, like backup of a person you can like use like kind of the cells or whatever in memories to like recreate the person again. Okay. So I think that that's what they were doing with the Barons. So, and they're also going to do this with Duncan Idaho. So his oh. death was super sad. He went yes. down swinging, but he's not perma dead. He's like going to be brought back as a Gola, which made me happy. Cause I was like, we did not get enough Jason Momoa in this movie. Not at all. I was like, did his shirt even come off? Like, no. I don't, I don't know. No, I was like, 
why would he only sign up for one movie? I was so confused, oh, but I was like, Aquaman. Yeah. Did Aquaman interrupt this? Like help me understand. And yeah, they're, so they're knowing- cloning him. Yeah. Okay. That's encouraging. That gives yeah. me hope. Okay. So the Chris knife is that very, it's the Freeman's it's like an honor to, to fight with that knife. Mm-hmm. And it's made from like the tooth of a sandworm or the tooth of Shai Halud. I was really interested about, okay, so he has to, so Paul ends up having to champion for his mom after having this interaction with Jameis, one of the Freeman like warriors, mm-hmm. but in one of his visions, he sees himself learning from Jameis of like the Freeman ways. And he's like, applies that knowledge in these interactions. And I'm like, okay, this is when I started trying to figure out what do his visions mean? So they're not always accurate. They're possible mm-hmm. futures in alternate timelines. And he, he doesn't dream the future perfectly. And he hasn't awakened this power fully, but he can learn from those possible futures, kind of like Dr. Strange. Like when you see Dr. Oh, Strange, like sitting okay. there trying to think of all the possible possibilities. And there's like 14 billion and only one of them works. Mm-hmm. Paul, he sees all these futures. He doesn't know what is actually going to happen, but he can learn from them. So he learned from Jameis in these visions that he had, even though he ended up killing him. Mm-hmm. Cause when I was watching that, I was like, what the heck? He's dead. Yeah. I was thrown off too. I was for sure thrown up, uh, thrown for a loop. You know, in the second movie, we'll see Paul learning the way of the Freeman and his relationship with Chani developing, and then you know, training of the Freeman to fight the Sardukar, the Sarduakar, those really bad guys, the big bad guys <laughs> whose name I can't say properly. I was impressed. I wasn't expecting it to be such like this grand production that mm-hmm. it was. Like the yeah. scale of this production was huge. Epic proportions. And that's the same word that came to mind to me was like, it was a very grand scale. Mm -hmm. It was so like elegant and artistic. And how did they make the desert look beautiful? They did it, you know, just like this barren kind of wasteland. And you get a very strong sense of what this world is supposed to feel like. Mm -hmm. When I first watched it, I didn't realize that it was the first half. And I was like, okay, I felt like that led up to nothing. Cause I totally forgot the book. And then when I realized it was the, just the first half, I was like, okay. <laughs> and I'm like, everybody just dies. And then he like walks into the hill. I'm like, this is not, I'm not fine with this. Oh, yeah. And you know, me in my forgetful brain who can't even remember reading the book. I was like, oh yeah, that's just the first part. Lauren calm down. So, but it was really good. I mean, Lena enjoyed it. She just, you know, loves close-ups of Timothy Chalamet all day long. Yeah. I mean, with having no expectations for this movie, I was very impressed overall. And I'm looking forward to part two. I agree. I am. I feel exactly the same way. And I'm really enjoyed like the research I kind of did looking into mm-hmm. it. I'm like, Oh, that's interesting. Okay, cool. That makes sense. And it's kind of a fun fandom to get into, you know, there's going to be, there's a lot of Dune books. Paul's going to have a son. So this is going to go on for a long time. Mm -hmm. So we'll get to see this beautiful, mysterious, like scary, terrifying world. Keep going for a while. Yeah. Now it is time for the fangirl spotlight of the week. We love sharing and supporting small businesses. We use the fangirl spotlight of the week to do just that. We give a free 30 to 60 second ad spot on our podcast for a simple social media exchange. It's basically, we share you, 
and you share us during the week that your ad runs in our episode. As you know, we are also a small business, but we are a part of the rapidly expanding Believe Podcast Network with over 400 podcasts and millions of listeners. We want to shine a spotlight on your business. So email us for more info at the fangirls podcast at yahoo.com. Catch up on all that the fangirls podcast is doing on our website. You can listen to our latest episodes, read our blog and connect with us. We are so excited to announce our biggest sale of the year. Our Etsy store is currently having a 30% off site-wide sale. The sale goes from now until December 1st. So hurry on over and get some Christmas shopping done for the special fangirl or fan guy in your life. We love hearing from you. So subscribe to our blog. All the info will be in our show notes. The Fangirls podcast is now on Etsy. Our shop has a variety of original custom-made fandom-inspired artwork in digital download form. We are offering 10% off our Etsy store with the code fangirl. The link to our store and all the info will be in the show notes. And Christmas is coming, guys. So get those personalized gifts ready to go. Thank you so much for joining us today. Please be sure to subscribe to our podcast to hear all of our latest episodes. We want to answer your burning questions. So give us a follow on Instagram at the fangirls podcast and Twitter at the underscore fan underscore girls and like our community page on Facebook to join the conversation. Have a happy Thanksgiving and we'll see you next time. We here at the Fangirls Podcast are not affiliated with the following. HBO, HBO Max, or anyone affiliated with Dune. All right, let's go eat some turkey. Hell yeah. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.